The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 368. Got a special guest for the show. Long time coming. Just should have been done so much earlier. We were joking about it beforehand. Uh, you can find his work at USA Today. He is the man that helps run labor, one of the best uh, expert leagues out there right now. You can find him on Twitter at Steve A. Gardner. Steve, how you doing? Hey, Bubba. Thanks for inviting me. I've, I'm doing great. Hope you're the same. Yep, doing well. Just uh, another beautiful day. It, it's not bad when you have a full day of day baseball to uh to distract us <laughs> <laughs> i know lots of stuff lots of news going on and uh yeah it's it's uh, not your typical thursday i guess no no it's not and one quick thing you just mentioned a ton of news before we get into some recent news just out of curiosity because i know you're playing in a bunch of leagues and this year's it's like every day it's just a list of injuries it is yeah. just ridiculous with what's going on how are you going about it because some guys are like people are trying to make moves right away they're trying to they're panicking basically how are you going about it i'm i'm trying not to panic but it's difficult mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm telling you because you add up i i added up the other day talking about labor in nl labor you know you got a three or 260 dollars budget i calculated yesterday that i had 130 dollars worth of player salaries on my injured list that's half of the entire team, you know, when you get to that point, you can't help but panic. And and I think it's one of those things where you have to kind of prioritize at which level, you know, those guys are at that are injured and say, okay, what can I do till this guy comes back? And then this guy comes back and this guy, um, it's a little bit easier to fill in, you know, with pitching, but um, you get some of those hitters, hurt you know a christian yelich or a Luis robert or somebody like that and i don't know that there's really any way that you can patch that up you know the way that you would had those guys been healthy 
Yeah, there's that's a great point. There's really no replacement value. Like you're not going to go one for one replacement. I guess you're hoping mm-hmm. to get maybe sixty to seventy cents on the dollar replacement just to kind of fill the like putting bubble gum on the dam type thing. Just like make it make it hold for a little bit longer. But uh, it is tough. Like I I know we're all dealing with it. I've, I've talked with other people on Twitter about it and everything. We try to. To, to stay as calm, but it's tough. I, I even got caught the other day. I was like tweeting out, like, oh no, another one. And they're like, oh no, he's okay. It's okay. And I'm like, well, all I think is the worst case scenario right now. It's just, yeah. it's, it's just crazy. Exactly. What's going on. And uh, you, you mentioned one of them, Christian Yelich. Uh, this one really stings because, hey, he's, he, we love seeing the stars of the game play. But, you know, he was out for so long with the back injury, plays one game, goes right back on the AL, which makes you know it's pretty bad if he's going right back. Um, you can't replace him. So I guess the scenario we can twist. How much interest do you have maybe in some of the Milwaukee players that are going to be getting more playing time? Yeah, I mean, Tyrone Taylor has some kind of, uh, you know, a shred of talent that I think he could be decent enough. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, Milwaukee's having some trouble offensively anyway these days. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, without him in that lineup, you're you're in trouble. It goes from, you know, uh, what used to be, Brewers, great lineup, great hitters park. You take Kristen Yelich out of the equation, and all of a sudden, it deflates everything there. So, I mean, Keston Hura not hitting. They sent him down to the minor leagues even. So this is a Brewers team that I think can, you know, if you're an opposing pitcher, you can take advantage of them right now. Yeah, as we're talking, Zach Wheeler's wrapping up a shutout. So, like, it's <laughs> it's it's very doable. And nothing against Zach Wheeler; he's done great this year. But still, it's not what you expect from a, a Brewers team. You, you expect some thump in that lineup. And, and it, you mentioned the hero part. And it's interesting now because Vogelbach's playing every day at first base. Um, you're getting like Kane and Garcia, and you mentioned Taylor kind of rotating in the outfield. Bradley Jr.'s kind of on his own. So it's one of those. I think it's interesting, like in a deep, deep league, if you need power, like for a buck, if you want to go get Vogelbach just to see if he hits. But it's it's so so frustrating, like you said. They used to be so talented and like a, a run-producing offense. I used to make fun of them when they made trades that they're the beer league softball team. They want to score 12 runs because they have no pitching. And now it's like <laughs> they need all the pitching in the world. So it's really tough. And they have some good pitching too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's they've kind of shifted their team, but uh, yeah, it's 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 not working offensively uh, right now for the Brewers. Yeah, it's very very challenging. And let's go to the White Sox now. And this is one you know, Eloy Jimenez already went down, and everybody is questioning the depth of this team to begin with. And now that they lose Luis Robert for he can't even do baseball activities for basically three to four months. Then you have to rehab. It's one of those, if they're out of it, they probably shouldn't even rush him back in reality of the situation. Now, reports came out early Thursday that he's seen two specialists. They say it's a pretty clean situation, like normal recovery time should be okay. Obviously, the question I have for you, actually, would you drop him if you have no IL spots? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be three to four months and Mm -hmm. no guarantee that he's going to be back, period. I think you have to if you need yeah. that roster spot. I mean, you can you can leave him there for for a while, but eventually, with all the other injuries that we're getting, um, I don't know how you can keep him around. I, I really don't because you're going to get that maybe that last month, and it, it, and that's in the best case scenario. Um, the injuries just keep on coming, Steve. And you know, Alex Kirilov gets called up. Everybody's been waiting for it. We're, there's a lot of prospects we're waiting for, but Kirilov finally gets called up. And he starts just crushing it over the weekend. Everything he's hitting is double or a home run. 
Then he's out of the lineup one day, and people are like, huh, what is it? It's, it's, you know, it's got a little wrist injury, no big deal. Goes and sees a specialist, and now he's on the IL. So no good for Kirloff. This opens the door for uh, Garlic's been playing a lot, Cave's been playing a lot. What would you be doing with the Minnesota Twins situation? Yeah, and they um, they called up Nick Gordon too, mm-hmm. and uh, you know although he's not playing the same position as as Kirilov, just another you know it's nice to be able if you're the Twins to have mm-hmm. another top prospect to be able to elevate and uh, and plug him into the lineup. But um, yeah, I know th- it was it was tough because Kirilov started off at over fifteen slump and then was just crushing the ball and now all of a sudden at, at least for the twins i think it's kind of a one-for-one swap because they got max kepler back and kepler first game off the il hits a home run so i mean for them it's pretty easy to just put him in there you know you've got byron buxton who's crushing it so uh i, I think for them you know maybe they they just kind of keep going and don't break stride but still it's a it's a big loss for them and with those wrist injuries again it takes away some of the power even when you do come back most of the time. So we'll have to monitor that as well. Yeah, that was the big thing. And, and I think what was taking place there when Kepler was coming back, they are kind of playing Kirilov at first also. And you saw Snow kind of disappearing, who's just been really, really bad this year. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. And then you mentioned Nick Gordon. We don't need to talk too much about him, but I think listeners should pay attention because he started on Thursday and stole two bases. So they're going to let him run. He just It's his little brother of D, for those that don't know. Like he's, it's in the family to run. Yep. So, so like <laughs> steals are a valuable asset in fantasy. So keep that in mind. I don't think playing times there every day, but you never know. Deeper leagues could be fun. Um, a bummer of one. Like a lot of these are players that we like just to watch because baseball is great. Like Joey Votto, when you get the report that he gets hit in the hand, fractures his hand, you already know going out the gate that's going to be a little while to to, to yeah. be out for. And he's just one of the fun players in baseball. Now we lose Votto for a while. It's going to mix things up in, in Cincinnati. Um, how do you go about that? Because Sinzel might move to the infield. They still have India who's struggling, but now he might have to stay. Shogo's coming back soon. So a lot of moving pieces in Cincinnati. Yeah, and it's, you know, where are they going to find a first baseman? You know, that that's the first piece of the puzzle that needs mm-hmm. to be filled. And um, I guess, you know, Kyle Farmer, maybe maybe Mike Moustakis. And then move Suarez to back first. to third. And yeah, then you don't have I to mean, worry about it. You know, that's, that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, but then... You know, who do you play at second base? I think, you know, it's interesting, and it's probably too early to make this move, but Jose Garcia, who they had come up last year and was kind of overmatched at the plate, I think he hit a home run in his first AAA game as the minor league started. And that's one of the things I wrote about this uh, earlier in the week, talking about some of the minor league guys that you want to watch. And Garcia was one of those because – if he can just get his bat to major league level, you know, minimum replacement level, if he comes up and can play, I mean, he can play shortstop. He's, he is a legitimate shortstop. That gives the Reds a lot of flexibility to where they don't have to have Eugenio Suarez playing it short and being the worst statistically defensive player in all of Major League Baseball so far. So uh, I think while not a, uh, you know, a good thing for Cincinnati, it may at least get the pieces moving to where they get, you know, an optimal defense behind their pitchers and possibly give us a chance to to get a, a look at, at Garcia down the road pretty soon. Yeah, and that's that's a big one because, like you said, we saw Garcia last year. It's just 
his hit tool was so far behind, and that's kind of what led to Suarez being at shortstop. So man, that home run opening gate day, that's that's big. If they can start getting him up there and at least giving like Luis Castillo and some of these guys an actual defense behind him, that would be nice for all of us fantasy owners. Um, George Springer, he was back for about a week. He's back on the IL, and the reports that came out today says looks like he'll be back on there for a little longer this time, which yeah, not good. So does that mean Rowdy Telez comes back? Maybe. Like, there's so many questions in place here, but what are you doing with a guy like Springer right now who's – you took him early, and he's he's not helping at all. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like the same situation with, uh, with Christian Yelich. And, you know, he comes back and you're excited about having him back and saying, okay, you know, now I, my team could do something and boom, he's, he's injured again. And, you know, he provides you that little glimpse too, with that two home run game that he had. Um, so, you know, that, that was just the killer. And, you know, the Jays had their offense and their outfield, especially kind of jumbled who was playing where we didn't know uh, exactly how they would distribute all that playing time when everybody is healthy. Um, we still don't know, uh, because Teoscar Hernandez has got to go back out there. Uh, Randall Grichik, I guess, plays center for most of the time now. And, um, I think, I think you may end up seeing, Rowdy Telez come back up, which is not ideal for them because they wanted him to go down to the minors and and get everyday swings and be able to get back into the groove. And you know maybe maybe that's not in the plans, but um, it is it is difficult for sure for the Blue Jays who are you know making some noise and and are fun to watch yep. in general because of the way that they hit the ball. And I think you make a good point there. I think Telez does stay down, at least for now, because they brought Davis up to make the corresponding move, another outfielder. We've seen in the past with Telez, you know, he kind of has his little cup of coffee, doesn't play very well, goes to the minor, gets his, his head straight, and he comes up and, like, smokes it for August and September. Like, we've seen it time and time again with him. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the recipe for success with him. Um, a couple more pieces of news here. Luke Voigt, just for everybody out there, he's rehabbing. He's really close, so that's a good thing. This isn't all negative stuff. That's a good thing. We're getting Luke Voigt back pretty soon. So you got that going for you. But I wanted to ask you, you added this to the outline, and I'm glad you did. Um, it happened earlier on Thursday. It shocked me and shocked many people that the Angels actually released Albert Pujols. Like, we knew he's not the Albert Pujols of old. We knew he's not, like, really helping the team out the way you would hope he would. He still he had four home runs, like, in six games the other day. But they actually released him, which was a surprise to me. Um, yeah, pretty surprising stuff. Yeah, indeed. And, I mean, he wasn't getting the job done. And I think one of the things that we saw with the Angels is they're a team that has somebody that can play first base in Jared Walsh. He can be their full-time first baseman. And they were putting him out of position in the outfield and and trying to you know rotate Pujols and Shohei Otani and Walsh in that, you know, that DH first base mix. And it was leaving somebody out and they had to get Walsh's bat in there. I think if Jared Walsh had come out and and hit, you know, 220 or something to start the season, it may have been a little bit more difficult. But when you have Pujols kind of just existing and now Anthony Rendon going on the injured list as well, they need offense, and they can't afford to have dead spots in that lineup. And uh, this was just one of those instances. Nobody wants to see the great Albert Pujols and his career come to an end like this. And and it has been a fantastic career, but he hasn't been a productive player, um, I don't know, for maybe, what, four or five years now. Yeah, and, not, the, uh, not the guy we were used to, that's for sure. No, not at all. And he was, he was still – 
for fantasy purposes, somewhat productive because the manager, whether it's Joe Madden or Mike Sosha, was always putting him in that cleanup spot in the lineup and hoping to, you know, have him recapture that past glory. Um, and so he was getting opportunities with runners in scoring position. And you can do that and you can drive in runs, you know, anytime you point to, well, well, he had, you know, 85 RBIs or whatever. Well, it's because that's where he was in the lineup to be able to do that. He could drive them in with a ground out, you know, or a sack fly or something, but he wasn't, he wasn't taking walks. He was striking out and was pretty much, you know, a zero on the base pads as well. And um, it was it was sad to see and unexpected, yeah. Yeah. but certainly understandable. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. it. Was I think it was more the surprising aspect that they actually did it than any, mm-hmm. anything. Because anybody that follows baseball or knows baseball, it makes total sense. Like like the, you said, they lost Rendon. Upton's banged up now. You have some prospects in Marsh and Adele. I don't. I think they still want Adele to hit in the minors and get that straight before they call him up, but they have pieces that they'd rather see go out there and maybe go hit 230 instead of pull holes yeah. type thing. Um, and this is where, too, Bubba, where you end up with the minor league season not starting when mm-hmm. it normally does in April. Normally, we would have had Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh and all of those guys in the minor leagues already with a, a month's yep. worth of games under their belts. But now you can't really say, okay, hey, you guys, I know you've been playing at the alternate site and and that's, you know, staying active and all that sort of stuff, but it's not the same as playing in no. games. And you can't you can't ask a guy uh, to come from AAA after one or two games and say, okay, now play in the majors. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's just unfair. It's quite the jump, that's for sure. And, and the last thing, just on pools, that's baseball-wise, I remember as he was in his heyday with the Cardinals and then he became a free agent, everyone's story would stay a Cardinal. And then he actually took the deal. And that's when he really knew, like, cause there was the Jeters, the Gwens, the Ripkins. This is when you knew baseball was a business for sure. And you weren't getting guys to be career players anymore. Like that was, he should have been like the next mutual, like Mr. Cardinal. Oh yeah. And that, just, that just told everybody like, nope, this is it. <laughs> this is how it's going. So yeah. And they, yeah. I mean, they talked about, they talked about money and, and getting him to give them a, you know, a hometown yeah. discount, so to speak. And the angels blew that offer out of the water. And yeah. I felt like he felt like he had to take it. Yeah. And he did. Can't, can't blame him. I can't, can't blame him at all. So yeah, interesting stuff there, but let's go to some April hot, cold hitters. I think more hots than colds, but uh, we have, we have a bunch of them to talk about. We'll see how many we hit here, but we'll kick it off with uh, the man that I like to refer to as Willie Mays Hayes from major league two. Because he's come out and decided he wants to hit for power and not a lot of speed. But then again, he just stole his fifth bag on Thursday. So that's starting to come around. But Byron Buxton now has nine home runs on the air. It's hitting 370, Steve. I don't think we believe the average can sustain. But are we on board with a potential like 25-20 guy? Or what are we thinking with Buxton? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I mean, I've loved this guy for a long time and have taken a lot of uh, heat Mm -hmm. for for saying, you know, this the guy's talent is is exceptional. And um, obviously the injuries are what have kept him from reaching that potential. But no, I I think the power is legit. He showed it last year. Doesn't matter if it's against right handed pitchers, left handed pitchers. Uh, He crushed both last season. He's doing the same this year. Um, and I just, I, I think that the only thing that's keeping him back from a, a 30, 30 type season is the twins wanting to keep him healthy and not mm-hmm. really turning him loose on the base paths. Otherwise I think 
he would he would be certainly capable of doing that and more than happy to. So I think, you know, Byron Buxton is one of my favorite players in all of baseball. And I'm going to continue to be a Buxton backer uh, long past maybe his expiration date. But uh, I, I think this is totally legit what he's doing. Yeah, it's, it's been great to see because I'm with you. I think most people that have played fantasy baseball every year, it's like the dilemma in drafts. Are we going to finally get the healthy Byron Buxton? Because we've all believed the talent is ridiculous. Like That's why he's the number one prospect for a reason. It was just he could never stay healthy, and it was getting frustrating. And then last year, shortened season, we still saw it, and it was good. But then there was no steals, so we're kind of like, oh, no. Like, what is this? But we're seeing it now, and like you said, maybe it's a smart move, and we're seeing it with some other veterans. It's like the NBA now. They get a rest day. Like, we're just going to give them a rest day. Mm-hmm. Get, get, stay healthy. We'll take 130 of your good games and go from that route. So, yeah, no, I'm with you there. I'm looking forward to it. Just stay healthy, Buxton. That's yeah, the best don't part. run into walls. That's all. Yeah. That's all I want for Byron Buxton is to avoid collisions and yes. uh, possible, you know, uh, multi-week injuries. That's the thing is he's such a good defender. He needs to get a call from Bryce Harper and say, "Do not run into walls. Yeah. Do what I do." So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, next up, this one uh, stings a little, and I, it's still early, still young. But Kyle Tucker, like the first week to two weeks of the season, was just crushing everything and he looked like yep here here we go he still has five home runs on the year but he's hitting a, a dollar a buck 79 with only two stolen bases um are we still okay like are we believe it in tucker or are we a little bit concerned here well i'm a little concerned because those stats are in the bank now um True. but i think he's i think he's going to be good I, and i think he'll be fine I, I look at the batting average on balls in play and it's at 177 and that, to me, can't last because he's a better hitter than that. Um, what may be a little more concerning, the average ex- exit velocity is low. Um, and so that is something that he needs to improve on because you've got to hit the ball hard these days to uh, to get those home runs and doubles and everything. So I would keep an eye on that. Um, maybe uh, uh, just a couple of 100-mile-per-hour of exit velocity hits. Um, would ease my mind considerably, but um, I know that the batting average on balls in play has got to go up. He's got great speed, and um, he's he's going to get out of that batting average uh, drought, I think, fairly soon. Yeah, the, the hit tools have always been there. Like I preached forever when the, the Astros were making trades during their championship runs, and I said, trade anybody you want but Kyle Tucker. Like He's that good. You're going to want him on your roster. But I wonder if this year, like you saw his kind of slump start to hit when their COVID situation happened and he was kind of had to be the main piece for a while there. And now they have a move down the order, maybe to get his mind right. I kind of want to see him hit like second, put him in between Altuve and the boppers, get him fed fastballs and see what happens, uh, get his confidence up. But we'll see how that goes. I, I do like the, the tools. I think if you can get him cheap in a trade, I'd be all aboard that train. But because uh, the power speed, it's, it's unique, a unique tool that he has for sure. Uh, let's go to Chicago. Chris Bryant, this is one of those that was just a fun conversation all preseason in drafts. Like, what are we going to get from Bryant? He was disappointed with a 206 average last year, only four homers. We know he was battering, battling a shoulder injury that he's had off and on for a couple of years. He looks like the MVP this year, Steve, like his old form. Maybe not the MVP, but his old MVP form. The power, yeah. average, the works. Are you buying in that we're getting this, Chris Bryant? Or are you expecting a little decline? How do you see him going forward? Yeah, and, and not to mention the fact we were talking about possibly him being traded, too. Yeah. 
because of being in the last year of his contract and not having a really good relationship with the Cubs front office. You know, how would that play? Um, he's certainly making uh, a case for himself being considerably valuable. Um, but he, I think one of the things this, this season so far is he's crushing left-handed pitching. And when you can take advantage of that, um, he's been doing it and it has helped him tremendously. Again, uh, like with Kyle Tucker, he hasn't really been barreling the ball all the time either. You know, his exit velocity is not great, but he's, he's finding a way he's getting the job done and he does look healthier. I mean, yes, that's kind of a little vague, uh, you know, how do you determine, how does he look healthier? But you know, with the injury last year, you could tell it was bothering him. It doesn't seem like he's feeling those same sorts of physical restrictions this year. Yeah, he looks better, and the Cubs are slowly getting that offense going, especially against lefties, like you said. They're all hitting them, but uh, they're slowly getting going. There's no way they were going to be as bad as a team as they were last year. That was just There's too much talent on that roster. It will be interesting, though, if he does get traded because the Cubs are kind of still hanging around for now. It's early, obviously, but they, they have a lot of question marks still that a little funk could change things. So he would definitely help a few teams out. Let's put it that way. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Let's go to Toronto now. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We've all been waiting for Vladito to just burst onto the scenes and just be a monster, and he's doing it so far. Seven home runs, hitting three forty-seven. The, the One of the more impressive things to me is he has an 18.5% walk rate, which for a young ball player is ridiculous. So I don't you know, expect 350 average all season. But are we expecting 25, 30 homers? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I do think we should be. Um, and, you know, the great thing about uh, Vlad Jr. is he's always had that really good batting eye. I mean, in the minors, I think he walked more than he struck out. And to when you have the talent that he has – you know, the ability to hit the ball really hard. You know, if, if, we're, uh, if we're worried about Kyle Tucker and Chris Bryant not barreling the ball, Vlad Jr. is doing some barreling. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the, the exit velocity, he's always been very good at. But the difference this year, he's upped his launch angle a Big little time. bit more. So he's not hitting the ball on the ground, you know, those 107 mile an hour ground balls. You know, now they're becoming line drives and fly balls and going out of the park. I mean, that three homer game he had against Max Scherzer in the Nationals, I, I was watching that and uh, it was it was a sight to behold. I mean, uh, you see that and you say, wow, this is what everybody has been so excited about for so long. And uh, it it seems to be happening right now in front of our eyes. Yeah, it, it's fun. Like uh, baseball's in a good place right now with all the young talent they have. You got a guy like Vlad, the way he's uh, taking things over, and just that, like you said earlier, the Toronto team in general. They're just mm-hmm. a fun, fun ball club. It's uh, it, it is definitely fun to watch. Now let's go to, to Texas. Nate Lowe. Uh, I even wrote an article this this uh, spring, and everybody is all excited when he got traded. Free Nate Lowe, the movement, because um, Tampa Bay just never had full time playing time for him. They kept yo yoing him back and forth. One of the most annoying things for a young player to to do. He goes to Texas. He's going to be the first baseman. It almost looked like he wasn't to start the season at one point, but uh, Guzman got out of the way, and Lowe is just produced, hitting 23, six homers, four stolen bases to make it even more enticing. He's stealing bags. Like This has been an amazing start to the season, but how much do you believe this continues? Yeah, I I don't know that I'm fully on uh, Nate Lowe. I mean, yes, the, the stolen bases, I think, were probably the, the biggest surprise to mm-hmm. me. I didn't know that he was going to, to run as much as he has. But I think the problem is, and the reason why he couldn't get a full-time job with the Rays, is that 
he has trouble hitting left-handed pitchers, and that's been that's been a uh, an issue for him again this year. I mean, you look at the splits left-right, um, two forty-one average against lefties, three twenty-three against right-handers. OPS six twenty-nine against lefties, ten thirty-eight against righties. So that's really where the issue is. I mean, is he going to be a full-time player who plays against left-handed pitchers? That's the question. Um, I do like. You know, his plate patience, uh, plate patience uh, you know, 11% walk rate is good. Um, and he's cut strikeouts down. So there is some growth there. I think he just needs to do more against, you know, lefties to get to that next level. Yeah, I'm with you there. And the one thing, at least the bright side of it, is the Rangers, it looks like, are going to give him a chance to hit lefties because that's the one thing that always frustrates me. And so far, he's being, they're being proven right. He can't hit them. But, you know, that narrative goes all the time. Because as a Giants fan, for years I said that about Brandon Belt. Mm-hmm. And then they finally let him hit for a year. And, like, okay, he's actually not bad against lefties. Like, he's not great, but he's not bad. So we can use that glove every day. Um, it, it's just got to give these young kids a chance. So far, he's proving them that he can't. Maybe that ends pretty soon. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Let's stay in Texas, though. This one's a lot more fun because Nick Solak, it seemed like he had an up and down, like the narrative street on him. It's like, okay, he's not going to play much this this year. Oh, wait, he's really, really good power speed and back and forth and back. So depending on when you drafted, you could have got a value or not. It was really crazy. <laughs> but um, right now, hitting 286, seven homers. The power is a bit surprising to me. Two steals. We expected a little bit of speed. But he's been very, very productive hitting like second most games for the Rangers. Are you in on Solak going forward? I kind of am. Um, you know, I got him in in one of the um, fantasy sports uh, gaming association leagues um, early on because he was at that at that bottom part that you were talking about. You know, at that buying at the dip, and um, I, I liked him a lot after his 2019 season when he first came up. And, um, you know, his ability to hit left-handed pitchers, hit right-handed pitchers, to get on base, you know, that was, that was impressive to me. And, and uh, I was kind of all in, but um, he didn't really show as much of that last year in the shortened season. This year, I think he's gotten off to a fantastic start and maybe a little bit of BABIP inflation. I mean, uh, 355 average on balls in play, but that's the same as what he had in 2019. You know, and he's a he's kind of a sneaky, speedy guy. Um, I I don't know that we'll see this kind of power production from him the entire season, but I do think we'll see production. Period, and that's what has me excited about him. Yeah, I'm with you. The average and the speed was like why I was kind of in on him. The the power is just gravy to me. The, the Rangers are an interesting team because they're very very young. They're letting these young kids like Alex Garcia's out there. Willie Calhoun's back up. Gallo's kind of doing his thing, but. They're a young team that's going to keep trading the veterans away. They're going to trade their pitchers away. They're going to let these young kids play. And so it's going to be very interesting. These are kind of the fun fantasy teams. Like I even said it about the Tigers last year. They weren't a great team, but you got Candelario all of a sudden and some other players. They're like, huh, these are actually fantasy-relevant players. So uh, people kind of just would wash off the Rangers and go, nah, I'm not going to, to deal with them this year. And, yeah, so far so good. Uh, let's go to back to Anaheim. You mentioned Jared Walsh earlier. When we we're talking pool holes. Well, the everyday playing time is there, as you said, and he is enjoying life right now, hitting three thirty-three or six home runs. How much of this do you think is sustainable from Walsh? Because he put on quite the show last season in his first uh, main debut. Yeah, he's another guy that I really like, and um, I got in many different uh, formats and 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 several leagues in drafts this season because you know, I, I believed in what I saw last year. And, you know, he, he was better too in 
being selective at the plate. He cut down on his strikeouts considerably last year during the short season and you know, was one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball in all of September. So you, you like to see that production in nice big chunks, you know, not just a couple of weeks, but a month span. And he sort of continued that going forward this season. And um, that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of player I think he's going to be. And, you know, he, he was kind of one of those, uh, you know, two-way players several years ago in the minor leagues. They were, they were using him as a relief pitcher and a position player. And uh, right now, I think they, they sort of moved him into that full-time uh, position player uh, situation. And it's a very good move for them because he's raking. I, I think he's going to continue to do that. And like we said earlier, I, I don't think they would have just gone ahead and cut ties with Albert Pujols if they weren't super sure that Jared Walsh could be their full-time first baseman the rest of the year. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That's that's a, even makes more sense of why they actually decided to say, you know what, we're actually contending right now. I know it's early, but if we want to keep contending, we might need to start moving some things around. So that makes a lot of sense. I think those first few names we talked about are kind of on the easier front of things. This next group, it's I could see a lot of different uh, discussion points here. And we'll start with Cedric Mullins, who, um, for those that all know Justin Mason, which if you're listening to this, you probably know who Justin Mason is. Um, he was banging the Cedric Mullins drum hard this preseason. So he, he, I give him full credit on this. Mullins has come out hitting 320 with five homers and three steals. In the minors, we saw a little power, some steals and an okay average. But he's playing every day and leading off. Do we? Are you buying in on this Cedric Mullins? Yeah, I think so. And I don't know that he's going to be this good, obviously. But as you mentioned, you know, the Orioles are in that same sort of boat as the the fun team that just doesn't have to really worry about contending. And they can play players wherever they want, whenever they want, and just give them a look and and see how it works. Um, And Cedric Mullins is in a perfect position because they love him as the leadoff guy. They're going to hit him there pretty much every game for the rest of the season. So, you know, you're going to get volume. And as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, um, you know, he's a good defensive player. So that's going to keep him in the lineup as well. And I think the key, I, I didn't think it would be such a huge deal, but it's turned out to be giving up switch hitting mm-hmm. and going to a full, you know, a full-time left-handed batter has meant the world for Cedric Mullins this year. And you look at what he's been able to do against left-handed pitchers from the left side. I I looked the other day, over 1,000 OPS against left-handed pitchers. I mean, yeah, that's not going to continue all season long, but it shows you what a good hitter he can be, you know, against those lefties. And for that reason, I mean, that was dragging him down probably more than anything else you know, fretting about hitting right-handed and the not having any success doing it. Um, I mean, when he was up, I guess it was 2019 and was just pitiful. I mean, his batting average was, you know, below 100, I think, when they sent him back down to the minors. It's a completely different Cedric Mullins, and, uh, and I'm here for it. I, I, think it's, I think it's a great story, and uh, I, I'm excited about his success. No, it, it's a great story, and it's a good point you make about the switch hitting. Like we still see some guys do, but nothing like we would have saw 15, 20 years ago, even where it seemed like every roster had a handful of them. Um, but to be successful, you just don't see see that many anymore. And you see a lot of guys starting to give up on it, like halfway through their career, and they start hitting better. So that, that makes a lot of sense. It's the old joke, like 
if you aren't an all-star hit in one direction, why are you hitting two directions? So um, it's like focus on one and try to, to master one before you go for two. And I think that's a good point. Now you mentioned he's hitting lefties fine. So that, that'll be really interesting to see if it continues on. And he's not going anywhere. Like you said, the Orioles are going to play their kids. So it makes no sense to change it up. Now this one, if if Eloy was around, we probably wouldn't have even seen your your mean Mercedes once this year, at least not right out the gate. Um, and now with with Luis Robert going out, it just opens up more time for him to hang around. Not to mention he's hitting everything. But yeah. I, I don't believe like we're going to see this offensive production. I think it's going to be good, but you know, in fantasy, it's tough. He's util only in most leagues, so it makes it really challenging. Like I I didn't even put bids in on him at first because I had nowhere to put him, so it was very complicated. But where, where do you realistically see his offensive production going forward? Yeah, I think that that is the key to your mean Mercedes is whether you can slot him at the catcher spot. Because mm-hmm. if you can, um, especially with the injuries we've seen to catchers already this yeah. season, um, he's a godsend. But um, in terms of just as a utility only, I mean, there is no question he can hit. I'll tell you a quick story. I went down to to Norfolk to see the White Sox AAA team, the Charlotte Knights, play a couple of years ago um, for a, a story on Luis Robert, and went down there and and watched their game. And Robert had an okay game, did nothing spectacular. The guy that stood out to me was your mean Mercedes. I mean, I think he had four hits that night, and was just you know one was a laser to right field, one was to left field, and I was like, wow, where has this guy been? Um, and he'd been toiling in the minor leagues. I think a lot of people know his story by now, but finally making it to the majors and then going eight for eight in his first eight uh, plate appearances. So the bottom line is he can hit. And the question is, is he going to be able to be their full-time DH all season long? I think because of the injuries now to Robert and to Jimenez and the fact that Andrew Vaughn, is probably going to have to play in the outfield, which we didn't expect at the beginning of the no. season, that it does open a spot for him. I was I was generally um, skeptical, shall we say, at the beginning of the year because I didn't think he had a place to play. I give out these toughy awards at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. after the first week for players who go completely nuts to start the season, and we may never hear from them again. I figured your mean Mercedes was the definition <laughs> of that guy. Yep. And uh, he's proven me wrong. That's that's all I can say. And the fact that he's looks like he's going to have a spot in the lineup on a, a regular basis now, um, I think you got to believe in the bat because he's shown it everywhere he's been. Well, Steve, he proved a lot of us wrong. So it wasn't just because you know, I was with you. I, was, I remember I, I, in, I didn't even play him his first night in DFS. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, this guy was – bare minimum and he went like four for four or five for five whatever it was and then he just kept doing it and doing it and i'm just saying who what like what are we doing here this is crazy Mm -hmm. they got they have grandal they have all these other pieces why are they playing this guy and then yeah you 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 start seeing all these stories come out about him and the kid just hits uh the one thing i'll say just a little funny thing is hunter pence started doing a podcast this year with the athletic and uh, this comes out every thursday and it seems at least once an episode he talks about your mean because when Hunter went down to play, I believe, in the Dominican a year or two ago, they were on the same team. And he said the second he saw him there, he was like, this kid has to play somewhere. Like, he's so – the way he hits the baseball, he said it was just different. And then it's it's proving to be the case. It's pretty pretty crazy that there's th- that kind of talent that just kind of hides away for a while that we don't really hear about. And there's a lot of it out there. So who's next? That'll be the fun one. But uh, mm-hmm. there's tons of it. Talking about another young, talented player, and uh, at first when he was traded to Miami for from Arizona for Zach Gallon, people thought, huh, this is a weird trade. But Chaz, Jazz Chisholm 
blew up to start the season. Striking out a lot, but he's walking, power, speed, everything you want. Hamstring injury takes him out for a while. He's actually starting to, to do baseball activities on Thursday. They're expecting him back probably middle of next week, if not beginning of next week, if it, all things work out. But, uh, you know, hamstring injuries could mess with the, with the speed a little bit. What do you think about Jazz Chisholm going forward as he just kind of electrified fantasy baseball for a while, but can he continue to do that? Yeah, I think he is definitely fun to watch. No question about it. Um, but, I mean, we've we've seen a little bit of him before, and in general, he doesn't hit the ball that hard. And the stats this year, even with his hot start, kind of back that up. The average on balls in play, up close to 400. So I think that's kind of inflating him a little bit more. But get him on the base, get him on bases, He'll steal bases. He'll score runs. You know, he'll go from first to third. I think that's the fun part of Jazz Chisholm. But in terms of the hit tool, I'm not convinced just yet. You know, I'm not going to go out and, and make an attempt to, uh, you know, to acquire him when he comes back. Um, I still think we need a little bit more of a, of a sample to see exactly what we have. Yeah, I'm with you because I was surprised he even blew up to this. This I didn't draft him anywhere. I picked him up on the waiver wire in a couple of places once I kind of saw what they're actually going to play him. But I was I didn't expect this. Let's put it that way. So uh, we'll we'll see how that continues on. A guy I did like a lot this year is Ty France, and he started out the the year hitting like gangbusters, and now he's gone ice cold of late. Uh, so that's a little bit concerning. I'm still holding out hope they're going to play him every day, but what are your thoughts on France going forward? Cause it started out great and not so much right now. Yeah. He was a favorite sleeper of mine too. And uh, I tried to get him uh, in a lot of places and was successful. Um, but yeah, the, I think he's over 21 as of Wednesday, you know, over his last 21, that will, that will drop your batting average considerably. So um, I, I still think though, everywhere this guy's hit, uh, so it's not something that's going to last too terribly long. And again, Seattle's kind of in that same boat as the, the theme we're talking about. They're, they're a fun team to watch too. Mm-hmm. And you know, especially when some of these young prospects start coming up to the major leagues, it's going to be even more fun. But um, I, I think Ty France is, is a solid hitter. Um, most of the time he's going to spend at DH, but he does have that positional eligibility where he can play a couple of spots on your fantasy roster. That's helpful. And, um, and I think he's, he's definitely somebody that you want to hang on to. Don't, uh, don't let this little dry spell, uh, cloud your judgment. Yeah. Because he feels like he's one of those guys. I didn't like dig into his game logs from the minor leagues, but I remember how he started. It was a home run barrage from him one season. And then we saw a little bit of it with the, with the Padres, he feels like he's one of those hitters that will be streaky from time to time. Almost like, you know, recently retired Jay Bruce, where it was the joke every other month, Jay Bruce. And uh, he just has that feel to him, the way he's got that big swing, but a powerful swing that he's going to get hot and cold and just kind of go from there. Um, next up, Austin Riley. This one's fun because I was really nervous after his first couple seasons of in and out of the lineup. And we, the power was there, but a lot of swing and miss. The average was a, a downer for me. I was focused on other spots at third base. Well, he's proven me incredibly wrong so far this season, hitting near 300. He's hitting cleanup on Thursday. He's been hitting fifth the last couple of days. They've moved him up in the order. Um, are you in on Riley the rest of the way? Yeah, I, I see Riley similar to Ty France. Maybe not the as as good of a hit tool, but a better power tool. So um, I think that's the one thing that you get from Riley that you want to hang on to is, is that power. So I, I don't know. Um, you know, he, he kind of does that dual eligibility as well. You know, if mm-hmm. he can, they can put him in the outfield, they can put him at third base. So um, I don't know that I'd like him as much as France. I don't think he will be eventually as consistent. 
Um, I think he may be, you know, one of those guys that has a really good month and a really bad month. We've seen both of those um, mm-hmm. from Austin Riley. So uh, I, I'm cautiously optimistic with him. How about that? No, that's fair. That's fair. He's one of those that uh, you can ride for a little while, but just be ready for the uh, have, have a backup plan just yes. just in case. Because <laughs> yeah, he was part of that Fabapalooza where he came out, hit like eight home runs. It felt like right out the gate, and then you didn't hear much of him the rest of the season. Um, this one is fun because I want to get your thoughts on how you handle Max Muncie. OBP leagues, he's great. Walking almost 23% of the time, 422 OBP. Phenomenal. Outside of that, though, he's hitting 221. That's only because he's three for his last, like, nine. Like, he's starting to hit again. He's got power, but, man, does he crush your average if you have him. He doesn't give you any speed. So how do you approach Max Muncie? I think if you're in a league that has daily lineup switches – and can platoon him depending on whether there's a lefty or a righty on the mound right now that's the way to do it um because it's like a 500 point split in ops for him in terms of whether he's facing a left-handed pitcher or a right-handed pitcher so you can't let him maybe not a a jock peterson type situation where you can't let him face lefties at all but um it's it's been difficult for him this season, um, and the Dodgers have have kind of had their uh, offensive woes in places. So when he, it seems like when when he's cold, Mookie Betts is cold, you know, and everybody else is cold. So that doesn't help when you're talking about scoring runs and driving them in either. Yeah, that definitely doesn't help when they're not uh, setting the table for you. It makes it very difficult. Bellinger's been out, still out, and that was a freakish injury. But uh, you mentioned Betts. He's off to a slow start. They're saying he still has like a lingering injury. Well, that then put him on the aisle and get him fixed. So I look at it. That That's a tough one. Seager, someone tweeted out a stat the other day. His brother, Kyle, has nearly the same stat line as Corey, and they are drafted like 200-something picks apart. So it's a wild go right now. Um, let's go to Oakland real quick. Matt Chapman. You know, there's been high hopes for Matt Chapman. The, the storyline always was massive hard hit guy. You know, stat cast page jumps off at you. But he just hasn't completely put it together, and everyone's like, okay, this is the year. This is the year. Well, he's still hitting 211 right now with five home runs. Are you just – and he's, he's striking out almost 36% of the time. Are you in on a guy like Matt Chapman, or is it just too much for you? Like, Obviously, you can go Riley or France instead. Yeah, I would I, – I think I would lean toward Chapman, and you know, this may be me trying to, to stick with a bet that I, I made earlier in the season where in terms of talking about bold predictions, as we all like to do, um, I, I looked at the stat cast numbers just like you were talking about from last year before the hip injury and saw a guy that, that has massive power potential. He was, he was my dark horse to lead the American League in home runs this year. So – I, I'm not going to give up on that, and and maybe uh, I probably should pull away from it um, for my own sanity. But I still think Matt Chapman is an outstanding major league player, not just defensively, where we all know he is, but offensively as well. And um, you know, he, he had a couple of home runs, you know, fairly recently. That's kind of given me a little bit of hope. But um, yeah, that that slow start is really something you know that that is concerning. But uh, I I don't really have anything to grasp onto to say, well, this is a stat that tells me that he's going to snap out of it very soon. I think it's just confidence in the player and his, his track record um, is what gives me, you know, the hope that he'll be able to to pick it back up again. That's kind of where I am at with him. Like I, I know the player that he is and I'm, I'm kind of using the hope line as well when I, when I watch <laughs> it, when I watch him play because the talent's there and on the bright side, like if I ever get any narrative to it, 
he's such an elite defender that he's not leaving the lineup. So if worse comes to worse, he's there every day to maybe get things right at the same time. That could hurt if he just continues to get it wrong. But uh, I'm with you. The talent's there. Uh, the A's are starting to really get going over the last week or so. It's going to warm up, which will make that Oco Coliseum play slightly smaller, as small as it can be. But uh, that'll that'll help quite a bit. A couple, couple more to talk about real quick. Andrew McCutcheon, horrific start to the season. Starting to get it going over the last four or five games, it seems like. Still hitting below 200. Uh, hit a couple home runs the other day. He's, he's at the top of a very, very good lineup, but a lineup that's kind of disappointed with Harper out and everything. Are you uh, really concerned with McCutcheon going forward? I'm a little bit, yeah. And the fact that um, he's having some difficulties, as seems like everybody is on the Phillies team defensively, um, makes me wonder if the you know those skills that that were so good uh, several years ago have deteriorated to the point where you know is he on the Albert Pujols kind of track? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a question. You know, he's still got the on base skills, and I think that's where he will continue. You know, what will keep him in the lineup? But um, but I worry because he's he's a player that I have enjoyed watching for a long time, and you just hate to see those guys that you like um, have their skills decline. And hopefully, it's not going to be something that's that's going to be that quickly. Yeah, I, I was hoping McCutcheon would be good, but maybe the age is finally catching up to him. I don't know, but the bright side is is I don't think Roman Quinn's maybe the answer, so they're going to keep keep throwing him out there for now. And then Jose Altuve. He was in quite the slump, did have two hits on Thursday, including a home run. Maybe that helps wake things up, but uh, he's been struggling quite a bit. Are you concerned about Altuve, or are you good going forward? No. um, Another one of those bold predictions was that Altuve would be the most valuable fantasy second baseman. I still think that's possible. I mean, Mm -hmm. he had a great start to the season, and then you know he he came down with COVID symptoms and was on the injured list for COVID for a while. I think that's the real reason for this two for 29 stretch that he's in or, or that he was in shortly after he came back. So um, I'm leaning toward Altuve. I mean, I think Thursday's afternoon game, he may have homered against the Yankees. So maybe he's back, but um, I'm not, I'm not worried about Altuve. I still think at age 31 now um, that he's still going to be an excellent player. Perfect. Uh, let's get a couple listener questions in here. Some more players to discuss, basically. And then we'll head on out. Uh, Simon P., a regular listener of the show, uh, please discuss Pavin Smith, Pavin Smith and his early success and playing time going forward with Walker and LeCastro back. Um, thanks, as always. Yeah, Smith's a guy I picked up in a lot of places. Decent power, OBP skills, leading off most games. What do you think about him going forward? Because if he keeps producing, they almost have to play him. Well, I like the fact that he was leading off and was serving in that role. Um, the problem is, you know, what happens when uh, Cattell Marte comes back? Yeah. I think that's the, that's the main impediment to Pavin Smith having a role because he's not going to play first base with no. Christian Walker coming back. And he's playing some in center field. I don't think he's going to play there when Cattell Marte comes back. So where does that leave him? I think that leaves him in that, uh, you know, extra infielder, extra outfielder situation, you know, to compete with players like uh, Tim LaCastro, maybe Dalton Varsho in the outfield. Um, So I don't know that the playing time is necessarily there. And he didn't, I mean, he didn't rake to the point where they had to keep him in the lineup. Um, I think they're probably more confident with, with Christian Walker on a long-term basis. So he's a solid player, and he's still young, um, got that first-round pedigree. But uh, for the rest of this season, 
I don't know that there's a whole lot there to be excited about. It also doesn't help that Josh Rojas is hitting all of a sudden. Exactly. So it just makes a once a once that seemed like a not great fantasy offense has pieces here and there that are kind of intriguing. So uh, we'll yeah, see Escobar how that is hitting. Yeah. Uh, you know, Azdrubal Cabrera is hitting as well. It's it's tough to find a spot in that lineup now. Surprisingly, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and then Simon had another question. Uh, Dom Nunez in Colorado. We mentioned how the catchers are a mess right now. Uh, he's been getting the playing time over Elias Diaz for the most part. Are you good with uh, Nunez going forward? Yeah, I think so, especially with all the injuries, again, that we've we've talked about uh, to catchers these days. If you get a guy that, especially one who plays his home games at Coors Field, um, that's a that's a nice little get. Uh, and, and Nunez has, has shown some power in the minor leagues, too. I mean, granted, he's playing in, in, in the AAA parks uh, in the Pacific Coast League or what was the Pacific Coast League at Albuquerque. Uh, had 17 homers in 61 games two seasons ago. So he does have that power potential. And um, yeah, if, if he's somebody that you have been able to pick up, um, you have to be pretty happy slotting him in there. Yeah, definitely. Especially the biggest part, like you, you were saying, is that catchers just took a beating this last week. So that, that'll change things quite a bit. Uh, Ron Johnson asks, what can we expect from Tommy Pham the rest of the season? Um, it's been a rough go, worse than McCutcheon. But, man, if you take a deep dive into what he's doing, it's like he's got to break out soon. At least that's the way I see it, but I can see the concern too. So how do you see, fam? Yeah, I think the some of the stat cast numbers and hard hit stats show that he's probably one of the guys that has been the most unlucky of, mm-hmm. of hitters in the major leagues this season. That said, I've watched a lot of his at-bats because I've have, I have him on a couple of teams, and I haven't been really happy. Um, generally, Tommy Pham also does a good job of – being selective, getting on base, taking his walks. I haven't seen a whole lot of that yet in the games that I've seen too. So I, I, frankly, I'm concerned about him. Um, I know the numbers say that he should be doing a lot better, but um, I want to see some results to tell you the truth before I can, can feel better about him. Well, for, for fun conversation point, when would you think about moving on from Tommy Pham? Um, Maybe I may give him a week or two more. Okay. I mean, the the thing is, he does when he's right. He gives you you know a guy who can hit for power, who can steal bases as well, and I think that's worth hanging on to. But um, he's not going to steal bases if he's not getting on base. And uh, first things first. The old Billy Hamilton adage. Um, it, it's just weird though. They started moving him towards the top of the order, maybe trying to get his his head right. So we'll see. I think the talent's still there, but it, something's not clicking. That's for sure. Um, longtime Cards fan asks, "Will Jock Peterson ever pick it up?" <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, being injured to start the season, changing teams, um, and then the other night where he thought he hit a walk off home run yeah. and it was a sack fly and he's flipping his bat or dropping his bat. Like uh, he did something, I guess when you're hitting, you know, 190 last year and under 200 this year, and you actually make contact, mm-hmm. it's worth celebrating. But um, it, it, the one thing we, we can't forget about is that, you know, in between the bad regular season last year and the bad start to this season, he was sizzling in the playoffs. And, you know, when last year's sample size of 60 games is almost as big as the sample size of the playoffs, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you have to, you have to give almost equal weight to those games. Um, So I I still have hope that that Jock Peterson, especially if he's facing right-handed pitchers still has, has something left in the tank. 
Yeah, I'm with you. He's a tough one because they might keep platooning him and whatnot. It's just it comes down to for a lot of these guys we talked about, and it's always gonna be league dependent and kind of how how your your standings are, how you're doing as a team. But mm-hmm. like I told people about a couple of weeks ago that asked questions, like at least wait till April's over and start reevaluating things. You mentioned with fam, like another week or two. Yeah, we're getting to the point mid May, end May, where it's like, okay, maybe it's time to start moving on. Like I, I the story I always tell on my show is the year Matt Carpenter broke out but started off so bad. I released them everywhere. Yeah, so that was I fun. That like, well. like I, I'll never forget that. That's like my go-to. Like, yeah, you just sometimes I, some, some of the best analysts have said it. If you don't make more mistakes than good, like good mistakes, you weren't playing hard enough. Or you weren't trying hard enough. You have to be willing to, to kind of say, you know what? I'm done with this guy. We're going to see because yeah. this guy on the waiver wire can help me for two weeks and stats I need. Like that's just the way it goes, but it's tricky. Brian Dozier it, was that guy for me. Remember yeah. when Brian Dozier had, uh, you know, this ridiculous second half? Mm-hmm. I was, I think I was one mouse click away from releasing him and didn't. And that may have been one of the uh, yeah. the best fortuitous non-moves I've ever made in, in my fantasy career. And then he did that for a couple more years. And he, then the narrative came in. Okay, he's always a slow starter. Go trade for him in like May <laughs> and see what you can do. And then, then, he, mm-hmm. just stopped. then he just stopped hitting, period. But um, that'll wrap us up, uh, Steve. It, it was a pleasure. Why don't you, before we leave, uh, why don't you plug all your stuff as you're a busy, busy guy? Sure. I'm happy to follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Steve A. Gardner. Always like to to talk baseball, fantasy baseball. You can find me on the uh, pages. If you're a print person, the pages of the Sports Weekly, um, where I write a fantasy baseball column. And you can check me out on usatoday.com in the baseball section or the fantasy baseball section. So uh, all, all over there trying to stay busy. It's awesome. Well, I appreciate you joining me. I, I'm glad we finally connected and got to do this, and we'll have to do it again sometime much sooner than later. That sounds great, Bubba. I had a great time. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 368 with Steve Gardner. Catch you guys later. <laughs>